1: Hi, I'm Aisha McGowan, and you're listening to the Wheel Suckers podcast.
2: Today, we're talking to Aisha McGowan, an African-American elite racer, and she gives us her recipe for an amazing vegan ice cream, how to get more women of color into the racing scene, and how to say no to the internet. We're sponsored by Katusha Sports, premium cycle wear for pro racers and everyday riders. They support pro race team Katusha Alpesin, so you know their gear has been tested by the best. Go to katusha-sports.com now. Hi,
3: I'm your captain, Alex. I look after social media, marketing and events at Look Mum No Hands, a
2: cycle cafe bar workshop on 49 Old Street, London. And I'm joined by my stoker. I'm dragging the rear. This tandem. I'm Jenny Gwizdowski. I am the director of the London Bike Kitchen. We teach people how to fix their own bikes through classes, drop-in sessions and our women and gender variant wag nights. Today so, we're with Aisha McGowan. Hello. Uh, and we've got some more questions for you after years passed. There is the audio
3: recording of your conversation with Jules Walker at Look Mom that was recorded on Monday, the 23rd of July. So people can also go and listen to that. And I kind of wanted to start with the intro I really appreciated was Jules asking you about your mission and you were like, what mission? (laughs) (laughs) Because your mission was originally a byproduct of not seeing enough people of color in the world of cycling. How do you feel that's changed?
1: Um, I think the mission is still the same. I guess I've entered a new phase of completing or working towards that mission. I'm really making a lot of headway on the advocacy side of things and I guess the education side of things because I feel like This is kind of uncharted territory for a lot of folks in the cycling industry, and they don't really know what to do with me. So I'm now just telling them what to do (laughs) and and trying to kind of get everybody to a level where we can even have the discussions that I wanna have. So I've been doing panels and workshops and writing articles and that's kind of taken over things a lot in addition to the racing. And I'm not gonna say that the racing has taken a backseat, but I have done a lot less racing this year than I normally do. In, in that regard, I think I'm just kind of focused on trying to figure out what to do racing-wise and training-wise because even that has been an interesting journey where I wasn't really sure how to go about it and I feel like now I'm kind of on a path where we're we're finally cracking. I think I have all the tools I need and now it's literally just up to me to, to do it. So that's good.
3: So now you, you're at a point where you just pick the races that you want to do? Because if anything, could you say... You're spoil- for choice of racing and now you want to focus
1: in on the ones that are important. <laughs> I wish that was it. Um... <laughs>
3: <laughs> That's not
2: it, yeah.
1: No, cycling's so expensive. So I had to just be incredibly selective. And also, like, I was getting emotionally drained just because racing by yourself, it takes way more out of you because... Before I even get to the race, I have to plan the logistics of flights and, like, travel when I actually get to the city or town and figure out how to get all my stuff there or what stuff to bring. And it's a lot.
2: Um, it's a lot of barriers.
1: It is a lot of barriers. And that's a problem that I am not in the market for solving right now. But once I get a handle on other things, maybe it's something that I'll revisit. But I do feel like it's something that will need to be considered if ever I like mentor somebody after I figured it out or like I, I think it's very that not a lot of people talk about you see the people racing and training but like all of the behind the scenes logistics that go into it and it's a lot of behind the scenes logistics that go into it you don't really hear about and see so that takes a toll and I had just a really tough winter just emotionally and financially and I was just like not gonna overextend this year. If I can't do it, then I'm not gonna do it. And then if I can, I will. And that's that's kind of how I've been operating this year and I'm better for it. I think if I tried to do anything more than I've already been doing, I'd crack. Like I'd literally crack and I'm trying to sustain
3: self-care. <laughs> yeah. You've got to really take care, care of yourself. Yeah. It's so important it's so easy to burn out. Yeah. Yeah. I thought it was interesting yesterday and you said like learning to say no. Yeah. It's really hard.
2: Do a a workshop. Do a workshop on how to say no.
1: I'm sure there's like a self-help book out there called that. Like, how to say no. Just says no. No.
2: (laughs) It's just two pages. (laughs) We just wrote the book, guys. (laughs) How to say no. No. (laughs) It's easier said
3: than done. I think when you're passionate about something, Mm. when you care so much about it, when it makes you happy. Right. Like, oh, I like doing this. Everybody tells you, oh, if you like doing it, it's not a job. And it's like. Yeah. But, but uh. <laughs> if all the things that led me to that point and the way I feel after with race
2: is like getting yourself there but then doing the race and then how you're feeling after we were just talking about that with events like the preparation for events the yeah. aftermath of an event nobody right. sees that no one sees that they no see one. what the product all the work that you did to get there that's labor that's... and it
1: totally affects performance When I left here last year, I went to the Netherlands and spent three weeks there, and it was like the first time that I was in a place where I didn't have to completely take care of myself. I didn't have to plan all the logistics. I didn't have to plan all the meals and cook them all and drive everywhere, and there was a designated person who did that. I mean, I understand that a lot of women's teams are lacking in resources, so the level of help varies (laughs) drastically depending on the team that you're a part of, but... It's so helpful to have that kind of support. I appreciate all the moral support that I get and all of the, like, encouragement that I get. And that's probably the only <laughs> way that I get through, like, everything else. But, like, just to physically have that ability to only need to worry about racing my bike was so helpful. And I felt like I raced really well. And so that's something that I'm striving for. I would really like to be on a team next year just because it's exhausting doing it by yourself. Cycling a team sport being alone is not ideal. The reasons I am alone, I could speculate the the various reasons, but at the end of the day, this year, I just didn't find anything that was the right fit.
2: In terms of other teams? In terms of any team. <laughs> how, how does it work? Because I'm thinking of like NFL drafts, and I'm pretty sure it's not like that. <laughs> not to my understanding. <laughs> the way
1: that I understand it to be, because Everything I've learned about cycling is that nobody knows how anything works. (laughs) 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 So everyone just kind of does something, and that's how it works for them. Um, So the way that I understand it to be is that you can apply for teams. So you can, just like you apply for jobs, send out an email with a resume. Like there's a list of the team owners, team directors, team managers on the Internet, and you can bother them and, like, ask them to look at you and consider you. Um, And send them a race resume and information about yourself or whatever. Just kind of like applying for a job. And the other thing is, I guess like the NFL draft, you could be recruited. Like if a team decides that they want to reach out to you, they could do that as well. But that's as much as i know (laughs) i think a lot of it also happens with like word of mouth of like within whatever circle of people who have that kind of power they kind of put the bug in the ear like oh you should take a look at such and such they might be a good fit for your team and then they take a look and then they decide it's a good fit or it's not and goes from there but there's no like designated path Mm. so that's fun
3: (laughs) yeah that's tricky
1: what are you looking forward to or working towards now? So racing-wise, I think the only thing left for me on the calendar is the Colorado Classic. I'm really excited about that because I haven't really gotten to do a lot of stage racing this year and I really enjoy the challenge and that's pretty much the type of racing that I'm aspiring to do. Um and so I have the opportunity to race the Colorado Classic on a composite team. So I'm going to race for Amy, the Amy D Foundation. Um and yeah, I'm just stoked on that because it's a big race and there's not a lot of spots, I guess, and so I'm really glad to have gotten one of them. And never raced at altitude, so that'll be fun. But also, the coach that I'm working with now thinks that it'll be a good fit for me just because of the type of racing that I do. So that's promising. It's nice to hear. I hope he's right.
2: <laughs> mm, yeah. Uh, <laughs> that's a good thing. That's what a coach is supposed to do, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. <laughs> I'm really looking forward to that. And then... After that, I'm, I'm going into what I consider advocacy season or what I'm calling advocacy season for me, um, where I'm going to do talks and panels and keynotes or whatever people have invited me to present for and I can just yell at people about diversity and representation. I'm not going to yell. I might talk really loud because I just have a loud voice naturally, but (laughs) I will be loud about the things that I care about and I'm passionate about. And I assume that if they have invited me there, then they know what they're getting into. I'm always respectful. So I'm really looking forward to that. And I get to travel a bit more, mostly within the United States and uh, see some, some places and talk to some people and hopefully encourage more representation for people of colour in cycling.
3: <laughs> yeah, I think being out there, letting people hear what you have to say, being visible, yeah. that's mm. some really good things. Maybe just touch on some things from last year that we talked about Was well. Nutrition, are
1: you still throwing up? Okay, so <laughs> I can only remember throwing up in Tulsa this year, but in my defence, Tulsa is super-duper hot. I think it wasn't a nutrition thing, but I was just overheating every day. I finished... Almost all of them except for the last one, which was just way too hot. And then there's, like, this, like, super steep hill that you just keep going up over and over and over again. And I was doing it, but I kept throwing up on myself. And I was just like, "Mm, maybe not. (laughs) (laughs) This isn't safe. hot sick. How many more times before I pass out? (laughs) Whoa. Because it's, like, super hot and There's I'm, liquids. like, losing everything that i put <laughs> yeah. inside of my body. Oh, my God. <laughs> so I'm just going to stop. Your body's saying like, no. I, I, like, let go of the, the bunch. Like, I let them go. I slowed down. And then I pulled around to the start-finish line. And I couldn't tell if they were telling me to get off or not. Like, they'll pull you if you get too far behind. And I wasn't sure. I was going to get off anyway. Mm. <laughs> and so I pulled off. And I asked. And they were like, yeah, we were totally pulling you off. Oh <laughs> but, like, the people at the pit, which is where you go if something happens to your bike or you fall or whatever... They were looking at me like I was like I had five heads. Like I probably looked absolutely horrible, and they're like rushing at me with like liquids and like electrolytes. Ivy. and a towel. <laughs> and they found me a chair and a, and a wet towel. Oh, <laughs> and I sat down for a little bit, and then <laughs> when I got myself back together. Uh, they were like oh you look better now I was like wow did I look really look that bad and they were like yes Oh no! <laughs> yes you did oh, we were worried and these people did not know me like at all <laughs> so yeah I think I made the right choice
3: yeah. <laughs> yeah uh I guess to lead on I was gonna say to looking bad but you had a pretty savage crash Oh yeah, that was that wasn't fun. No, um,
2: I have a, I keep going on the negative, bad your, things.
3: We'll do positive after
2: this. I went onto your blog one day, uh-huh. and it was the picture of you uh, yeah laid out under the, 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 <laughs> the gate, and I was like, oh my god, like what is this? Like yeah, it was yeah, yeah. the most shocking photo. It was okay because I was fine. <laughs> yeah, I read, I read, and I was like, yeah, like I'm, it's I'm okay, okay, I'm okay, I'm okay, I'm
1: okay, but. I I was racing nationals in the States, the Criterium National Championships, and I just slid out in a corner because it was raining, and I hit paint, and it was slippery, and I went sliding, and I stopped with my face on a barrier. And that, oh. was, that was exciting. Oh, my
2: God. <laughs> I think you said in your blog, you're, like, checking. You're, like, is my face still yeah, okay? Yeah, well, okay, so,
1: th- <laughs> like, before I started racing, I'd just moved to New York City. and I thought it was, like, the coolest thing in the world. I had my fixie and never wore a helmet, and it was winter time. and I was biking to work, and I, like, slipped on black ice
2: Ooh.
1: and went flying through the air and landed face first oh. <laughs> and fractured my face in three places, When I came to, I was, like, bleeding everywhere, and, like, I just had paper towels in my hand and people around me. I had no idea how that happened. And then I just walked to work. And then I got there and was going to pretend, like, you know, my day was going to be fine. And, like, I went upstairs. I was working at a a daycare center with children.
3: Oh, my God. (laughs) And my
1: coworker was like, I'm taking you to the hospital. (laughs) My face was, like, like, super swollen. I I looked horrible. So that's why, like, when I hit my head, I was like, how does my face look? (laughs) 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 Am I going to scare the kids again? (laughs) Like, I had another face. (laughs) It was really bad. (laughs) Wow. Yeah, I was going to say, was that your first serious crash? But no. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it was the worst one while racing. Usually it's, like, road rash at most. And I've like hit my I've hit my head before racing, but n- never I've never really gotten super hurt. So so That's far good. so good, That's pretty lucky. Yeah. yeah, we would like to maintain that that record mm. if possible.
2: Phew. Yeah. <laughs> Going back to nutrition though, uh, you <laughs> mentioned before you gave up meat.
1: So my husband has decided that he doesn't want to eat meat anymore, and so I have joined him in this venture for only the reason that he wants to do it. Uh, like it's not okay. like
2: moral support.
1: Yeah, I guess. But he keeps telling me I don't have to do it. But for whatever reason, I'm like, no, no, I'll do it. I'll do it. You've been finding it hard? I mean, I was never like infatuated, I guess, with meat. Like, there would be periods where I didn't eat meat anyway, but it was never like a I'm not eating meat kind of thing. It was just, (laughs) I just didn't eat meat because I was eating something else. It's only hard when I like smell delicious meats. Like chicken smells really nice.
2: <laughs> bacon smells amazing. Yeah, bacon is
3: evil. That smell is yeah. But maybe it's
2: because when you're not having it, it makes you miss it more, and then when you do eat it, it's like a treat. Right, meat is a treat. Treaty meat, meaty <laughs> treat, treat. Treat. Meat treat. That sounds like a dog food.
3: Yeah, it does. <laughs> that doesn't sound good. <laughs>
1: It's fine so far. I've eating a lot of like mushroom burgers and things with beans in them, and I've also been like traveling for most of the time since I've started eating no meat. I will not call myself a vegetarian because that is not what I am. But when we started, it was everything except bacon, so we could eat bacon. And so I was like, <laughs> we're baconarians. Bacon like, <laughs> <laughs> baconarians, I love it. <laughs> and then by the time I'd gotten home, because I was on the road, by the time I got home, he'd like he was like, I fed all the bacon to the dogs, so we're not eating bacon oh. anymore. It was like. Oh. oh,
2: I bet the dog was like, ha! I am curious, though, um, <clears throat> what you eat for recovery because I need help. They make, like, specific recovery powders, and I find
1: that to be really helpful because I don't eat a lot in general. Emily Chappell's got like the chapatite. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, that is impressive. <laughs> I do not have that. And so I have to like force myself to eat more. Like, I find that if my training load increases, I'm just like, man, I'm so tired. And it's like, well, you didn't eat anything really. That's something that I'm still trying to figure out, always trying to figure out the nutrition thing. But I found protein powder is really helpful because you can like make delicious fruit smoothies and put that in it. I've started making this coconut ice cream.
2: Oh. Uh
1: huh. You can use like <laughs> strawberry protein powder and put it with coconut milk. I'll find the recipe. Like a banana, maybe? Yeah, you can put whatever you want in it. So it's basically yeah. like making a smoothie, but the consistency of coconut milk is so thick, like the canned coconut the milk. The canned stuff, yeah. That yeah. when you freeze it, it's got an, like a nice, like you don't need an m- ice cream machine or anything. So you like blend it all up and then you freeze it. Coconut ice cream. Oh
2: my God, I need to try and this. And
1: it's amazing. And you can make it at home. And it's awesome. Oh. And so I've been sneaking protein powder in that and I'm like, well, it's recovery, so. <laughs>
3: There
2: with a big <laughs> bowl of ice cream, yum, protein. Oh my god, I want to try it today. <laughs> that's clever. Yeah, that's so cool. So if you get a tin of coconut milk, and mix that with protein powder, fruit, whatever, right. and then put it in like a Tupperware and put it in the freezer, pretty much. And yeah, that's it.
1: yeah. There's like re- there's recipes online, which is where I found it. I think they recommend, like, you put, like, vanilla in it or something.
2: Oh, I love this. Amazing. I'll put a recipe below. Yeah. I like that kind of recipe. I don't measure stuff. I'm just, no. like, just toss <laughs> some shit in and then am like, yeah. <laughs> mm. That's how you know how, what a true cook.
0: Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank.
3: <laughs> I have a fun question. Are you still plagued by the white girl party tales? <laughs> a
1: power braid. Yeah, the I think you power braid. It. That was it. Power braid. Not plagued. Um, it still makes me laugh. Yeah. You don't receive branded scrunchies? That I was... haven't. I haven't
3: received great. any branded scrunchies That's in great. a very long time. So. Slow baby steps.
2: Yeah. <laughs> I didn't notice it until you brought it up. And, and then, then I started seeing it? it everywhere. I was uh-huh. like, oh my it's God. A thing! Yeah, so it's hard the hard only to way to see. signify the that it's a female yeah. is that with that braid. And it was just like. It's
1: a part of the uniform. I tried to participate, but my, my hair texture doesn't fall quite that way. <laughs>
2: yeah, you don't have to. Yeah. <laughs> when you race, do you just put it in like a low ponytail? Yep, pretty just much. Get as ponytail. arrow as possible. We should shape <laughs> it into a point cr- then, really. Yeah. no. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. Like a cone, like a, yeah. like a TT helmet yeah. <laughs> made out of That's hair. hair. <laughs> it might work.
3: The Wheel Suckers podcast is forged in the studios of Wardour in the phantasmical Fitzrovia, London. Wardour studios love recording podcasts. We do a podcast. Why don't you stop talking about it and start doing it? I wanted to talk a bit about representation, but I don't want to kind of go back over too much what's already kind of online. You've got some, as part of your like
2: advocacy phase, you're doing these articles and. There was an article that recently came out. I think I saw it through Anna Schwinn's. Yeah, I shared that today. We both, and I'll put a link below. <laughs> yeah, we both read it. And I think we wanted to take the representation quiz yeah. to figure out how we're doing. On your website? Yeah, our, our respective workshops. Oh, right. You LK know, and, like, how are we doing? Um, okay. We figured we'd do it we'll now. We'll do it now. <laughs> let's, let's do it.
1: It might not work because you've probably been promoting the thing with me and Jules. <laughs> yeah, maybe that
3: yeah, doesn't but, count then. What um, <laughs> well, else have we been doing? How can we be better? Like, other
2: things. And then I saw that that tweet that girl posted that says, if the only people of color at conference are the speakers, then you're still doing it wrong. Mm-hmm. Is that one. And that one made me go, oh, my God. Yeah, that one like, I was worried about yesterday.
3: I was like, oh still got God. a lot of work to do. I need to be reaching yeah. more people. Like yeah. a family came and more people of color came, I think, than last year. Yeah, I think so. So I feel like there's a bit of progression there. But yeah. that tweet really hit me. I was like, yes, I need to be doing more. But Getting I was even thinking, coming. like,
2: should we create, like, a women of color cycling group in London? There isn't
1: one. I've been looking. Yeah. Maybe Maybe we should do this. What I found is that, like, in looking, that the people that are also looking just don't have the time and the energy Mm -hmm. to do it. So if you guys have the resources, I say go for it. But only if you have the resources. I think it's it's (laughs)
3: looking, yeah, it's It's looking for some key people to be
1: involved as well. Maybe link, like, those two things coming together. And maybe also put a call out for other people who, I mean, maybe there's somebody out there who's willing to help and run it or be a part of it in some way and you just haven't found them yet.
3: And it needs to be maybe start slow, once a month, mm, even if that, yeah, once a month. You know, it's going to be this time, come to this place, right? Or even if you can't do that, because that's I think all those things become barriers, don't they? Are you able to get, be in this location at this time? Right. You almost mm. want just a show of hands, and it being like an online community and yeah. a
2: physical community. So it could be a forum plus we meet once a month at Look Mum. Ideas is where um, it starts. Yep. Yeah. Gotta be thinking about it though.
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. what I took away, you know. And you're saying try and find other people with the energy or the passion to be doing that, talking to more people, listening to people. And I was thinking, oh, we need to take all of this on board. You know, it's important. Because oh, yeah. I really like that article. It's awkward to talk about race. So it let's is. do it anyway. And feeling uncomfortable, you know, is how we move forward. And I was like, okay, oh. go. <laughs> Editor Alex here. In this section of the show, we are talking about Aisha McGowan's representation game. This featured in her Bicycling article, Diversity is Cycling's Most Urgent Problem. Here's how to fix it. The game highlights why representation matters. If you need a reference of how poorly underrepresented minorities are in cycling media, what you need to do is visit the websites or social media of most bike brands and then play this game. A. How many clicks or images until you spot a person of colour? B. What is the ratio of people of colour to white folks? C. Repeat A and B with women of colour. I'll put a link below to the article. Editor Alex, over and out.
2: Should we take the quiz? Back to I'm the looking social at medias. Instagram,
1: yeah. Should we look at each other's? So no.
2: <laughs> Should <laughs> we get
1: Aisha to score us? <laughs> this is That's no, I'm not. Fun. No, you have to score yourself. That's how it works. <laughs>
3: It's harder when you do it yourself. Like Like a pub
1: quiz when you're like, I could cheat, but yeah. I can't.
3: <laughs> you have to be honest. I do need to be honest. <laughs> We're scrolling. Most answers are... I have Jules in a Look Mum t-shirt. Okay. So now we have Jules in twice. May. Yes, it's Jules, so someone else.
2: I have an Indian man. And do you know the Indian man? Mm, he's one of our customers. Okay. No, I don't know him. There's... Me. Which is fine if you don't know him. Auntie, almost um, better is Greek. Mm, pushing it, pushing it. it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Japanese grandma sliding in on her oh, bike. I love her. She's amazing. <laughs> she's like a photographer, and she took like this picture of herself. Like how? Skin, I, she's taking <laughs> classes. She's like 85 years old. That's amazing. Um,
3: I have. These women from the Islington CC Cycle Club. Okay.
2: We have two in a row. I've got Rodiat, who's our apprentice. Uh, she's black. And then me with Therese Kilpatrick, who I suggested to you to interview. Okay. She's the bike god. Like, one of the best mechanics. Sweet. Yeah. I just reposted. This is like a friend and follower of Lip Mom in a t-shirt. There you go. And then there's me and Jules. There's Nelsie. Matt, one of the few black mountain bikers I know. He's got some great shirts, actually. Yeah? This is his shirt. I just realized. (laughs) It's got, like, a pack list on the back. Oh, nice. (laughs) It's like camping. Ooh, it's like infographic. Uh, Oh, that's cool. Oh, I'm into it. Yeah, he's super cool. This was, like, a test one, and now he's actually selling them. That's sweet, Um, yeah. Most of our pictures don't have people.
1: In some ways, that can be better. Especially with, like, companies that sell things. If you don't have access to all different kinds of people, maybe it's best to just have, like, products. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. that's true. And then it's like, well, they can just envision themselves in it. <laughs> yeah.
2: So, I, yeah, I think we can think do, we better, can do better. Yep. Uh- I'd like to know how wheel building went. So oh, yeah. I took the wheel building, wheel building class, class on
1: on Saturday. So... Admittedly I didn't make it past truing. Oh no. But you Um, went
2: you did the lacing.
1: I did the lacing twice and I did that really well. Like I was very good at that, I think. Um but I think my brain just kinda shut down during the the truing process for lack of sleep. Oh no. But it was really fun and it was like really cool to like learn that skill and I feel like even though I didn't get past the truing because also I needed to leave. Like I I asked about the rest of the process, which I think the other thing left was it was truing and then dishing and then tensioning. Mm -hmm. And like she showed me how that worked. So I feel like I have enough to go back home to my local co-op and practice with stuff there because I have a, a frame that I want to build up. I think I'll make it a point to force myself to build my own wheels.
2: Amazing. Yeah. Make sure. Do you have like some wheels sitting around at home? No, but I sh- I'm sure I can get some at the co-op. There's yeah. a really
1: cool co-op in Atlanta called Sopo, I believe. It's just great. Uh-huh. So yeah,
2: get some wheels, take them apart, put them back together. The lacing is kind of, for me is the hardest part because yeah. just remembering the pattern. I'm good uh, at patterns as well, a musician,
1: <laughs> <laughs> so that was really easy for
2: me. But the oh, truing was like,
1: oh my god! <laughs> but if I do this, then I ruin this. <laughs>
3: (laughs) Yeah, it's like you move one thing and then it affects the other. I love it. And I
1: couldn't, my brain was getting all turned around about which way was tightening and which Mm -hmm. way was, I was like, what? (laughs) That's fine.
2: That's normal at the beginning.
1: Yeah. So I just need more practice. I feel like if I have more sleep and more practice,
2: I'll nail it. Yeah, do it. I wish I had more time to wheel build because I'm not Mm. fast enough that it does become like a time consuming thing. But it's so calming.
1: Yeah, it's really cool.
2: You end up with a wheel at the end.
1: Magic.
3: Magic. (laughs) We're going to kind of talk about the internet and the power of the internet and that it's connected to you to people. So I wondered if you had a nice story about someone
1: you've maybe connected with since we last spoke to you. I mean, I feel like I connect with people all the time, which is really fun. I find that my like best connections come through people who know someone else and they sort of point me in that direction or vice versa. They point someone in the direction of me. So I did the thing with Outside Magazine, and that was an internet connection. The Joy Trip Project is run by James Edward Mills, and he would actually reached out to me before via Facebook. (laughs) So that was definitely an internet connection because he wanted to do a bike ride. It was like the Buffalo Shoulders bike ride or something, and it just never worked out. And so he reached out again this year and was like, hey, I'm doing this project. I want to interview you for it. I want you to be a part of it. And then he did. And then I ended up on the cover of a magazine. <laughs> so that was really cool. So I think that counts.
3: <laughs> that is yeah, that's pretty amazing. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. And then can we talk about you mentioned that you have like timers and limiters on your social media? Yeah. Oh, Tell me yeah. more. <laughs> okay.
1: So there is this app. I don't have I I don't have an iPhone, so I don't know if what the iOS equivalent is, but I have an Android and there's an app called like Stay Focused or Keep Focused? I think Mm -hmm. it's Stay Focused. And there's also the same app on Google. And basically you can set timers on your social media. So you can give yourself a limit for the whole day or you can give yourself block out times. And you can set it for like a weekly thing. So you can say like on Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays from the hours of 10 to 12 p.m., I will not be allowed to look at Instagram. And when you go to look at Instagram, it'll tell you to focus on your goals and dreams. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm like, gosh, darn it. That's so good. I want it. It's so good. It's it's like you get mad, but at the same time, you're like, yeah, you're right. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Oh, I'm so smart for setting this up, but this is so frustrating. The worst is when you run out of time like mid post (laughs) or like mid comment and you're like, and then you, like, really think about how important it was for you to to comment. Like, do I really need to do this? Is this really necessary? And That's if it was, good. like, can
2: you be like, pause? And then... I won't tell you
3: how to
1: cheat the system.
3: <laughs> you have to just wait for your next slot. And then you get to just think about <laughs> it. And Technically,
1: you should wait for your next slot.
2: I'm ch- definitely looking for something like that. Zuckerberg, man, he got us. God. Yeah. <laughs> we are
1: programmed. <laughs>
2: We're like children, all of us. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. We want that. We just things. need to admit it first, and then we can. And change. then set the yeah. limiter. And then, <laughs> and it's and also kind of crazy because it'll
1: show you like how much time you're spending, whatever apps on your phone, and you're like, no, this can't be possible. Like I cannot be spending this much of my day mm. staring at other people, <laughs> scrolling. Yeah. <laughs> it's like most of the time you've already seen it all, and you're just looking at it again. Yeah. No, I'm inspired.
3: I thought that was very good. I thought it was interesting last night. You got asked like, "Where'd you get your confidence from?"
2: <laughs> oh, and <then laughs> and Alex I laughed, told me, because yeah. I told and I Jenny, like, you and Jenny was like,
1: "What? That?
2: <laughs> That's such a rude question."
1: No, I get it. I I have that question about people. I just never imagined that someone would <laughs> <laughs> actually say it. I just don't feel like I exude confidence. I think maybe maybe bravery <laughs> in 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 light of fear. I don't, I don't know. I don't think I'm super confident at all. I think I'm just passionate and adamant mm-hmm. and stubborn.
2: Those things are enough to compensate for whatever confidence I am lacking. <laughs> Feel the fear and do it anyway. Yeah. There was something I wanted to ask you about, actually. An article that came out in February by James Huang from cyclingtips.com. It's called uh, Fun Isn't a Four-Letter Word. And it has to do with the way the cycling industry markets itself. I haven't seen this. No, I'll send it to you because it's great. Because he's just like, the only way you're going to get more people riding is if your marketing isn't about killing yourself.
1: Oh, yeah. (laughs) The suffering is the
3: coolest thing in the world. Yeah, that frustrates me so much. I had a pound every time I heard the word suffering. Yeah. Yeah.
2: yeah.
1: yeah. I I will admit that there was a a stage in in my cycling life where I fed into it a little bit, and then I was like, suffering actually really
3: sucks.
1: (laughs) It's not and It's it's also not not encouraging. Like, it doesn't make people want to try it. It's like, oh, so you're having a horrible time? Yeah, I'm not going to do that. (laughs) Why do I sign up to have a really horrible, cruelly, stressful panic? (laughs) Okay,
2: I'll send it to you. It's a really great article. I think he's in the industry. Like, any advice? Like, in life? (laughs) Just some life. Help help me. (laughs) Women who want to start racing. Just go for it. Women of color. Yeah.
1: A starting point, at least in the States, all you need is a bike and a a day license. Like, the appropriate kind of bike and a day license. And I guess maybe the advice I would, would have is don't think that you aren't ready. Because there's always this, like... Feeling of like, well, I just need this and then I need that. And then you don't need every little top of the line thing on the market. Like, you don't need it. You need a bike, a helmet, maybe a kit. I mean, I don't even think that's required. I think you just need something to pin a number to. And you can get a day license in the state and try it and try it out. And it's probably smarter to do that anyway before you invest. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's true. All the the fancy tools and you're like, this sucks. I don't want this anymore, but I've spent all of my money. (laughs) But yeah, I say just try it. See what happens. The beginner level, for the most part, is usually there's a wide range of, of levels in that starter range. And a lot of cities will have clinics and programs that you can actually really try it out on a really basic level if you're genuinely afraid. But I say jump in a race. Go for it, especially like crits in America. they you go in a circle. You can't get lost.
3: <laughs> That's true. Yeah, I never thought about that. Take actually. take
1: your own pace. Like whatever, yeah. just do it. Corners though. Start some. Yeah, <laughs> slow down. Like yeah, yeah slow down. <laughs> take your own pace. Be safe, but like try it. Find somebody who's already doing it. Ask them all your questions, but don't think that you need all the things at the start there's some people who are like beginners and they have like the nicest bike in the world and all the gear
2: and they're trash at it (laughs) all the gear no No idea idea. that's my favorite Uh, phrase all the gear no idea
1: yeah it's like it's that's not gonna make that's not what makes a good bike racer like it's the person not the bike and everyone starts somewhere even those people who are good at racing from the start probably have been riding for a little bit and have some experience from somewhere else like don't worry about where you are just start from where you are and you'll find the rest because you won't know
2: what you need to do until you know what you need to do until you've done it that's beautiful yeah thank you yeah thank you very much until next year (laughs) if you like what we do Squish that like like button, rate Rate. us on iTunes
3: and subscribe. subscribe. If you can't give us your money, give give us us your your stars. stars. And don't forget to slam that share button. (laughs) You missed missed the share. (laughs) Share. Share. (laughs) And tell all your podcast listening and perhaps also cycling friends about our show. (laughs) You guys are the cutest.